Today on the Shrewd Dudes Podcast, we are going to talk about a bunch of different things. In our satire of the week, we are going to address how Taiwan is just utterly thrilled that they get a sneak peek of what's coming for them. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. And then our rant of the week, we're going to address how the establishment left conflates everything with Nazism. Mm. Doesn't matter what it is. It's Nazism. All connected. All is connected. Yeah. And then in our shrewd check, we're going to have a modified shrewd check in which we are going to watch a video of a lady mm -hmm. who talks about the school closures and why the parents were pissed that the schools got closed. <laughs> Mm -hmm. This mm -hmm. shouldn't even need explanation, but we're going to watch it and we'll give our commentary. It should be fun. That's well done. Yeah, well done. Yeah. And then finally, in our douche of the week, there was really no choice here. There's one gigantic douche this week, and that is mm. Vladimir Putin for invading Sorry. Ukraine and potentially triggering World War III. All of that and more on the Shrewd Dudes podcast podcast okay once again we're here on another thursday today was Yet again, another weird day for weather in Calgary. You just, you never know what you're going to get. It's a box of chocolates, for it, it is a box of chocolates. It's like, mm. okay, today looks like it's going to be a little chilly, but we're going to be able to do some work. We show up at work. And, and we have a blizzard. <laughs> oh, the yeah. entire That's... flipping not the, day. Not the good kind. Not like blizzards like, you know, from, from Dairy, Dairy Queen. Your boss brought down. <laughs> but the, the, the blizzards from hell. Blizzards from hell. <laughs> and then what do you do when you want hours in a blizzard? You shovel snow in a blizzard. Mm. Yeah. Sounds productive. You, just, you could take a picture of us and you could put it on those like old motivational posters and just at the bottom yeah. write futility. <laughs> Amen. Amen, brother. Yeah. Uh, but how was your day, Danny? My day was good. Got to work, you know, got to uh, save the day as always. My boss, whenever there's trouble, he sends in the redhead and I go in there and I take care of things. I take care of crap. I feel mm -hmm. like sometimes I feel like I have to babysit people. Like I go to the I go to the uh, the job because my boss says like, hey, something's going on. Supervisor didn't like the door. And I go there and I'm like, oh, somebody forgot to wash the bottom of the door so of course yeah. i had to fix that mm -hmm. and then i get a phone call from my uh my co-worker and he's like where's the house and i'm like it's the house it's like just go inside and look at the things and i i'm like Ugh. so i go there and i'm like this stuff is right here how did you not find it it's like you know i swear i feel like mr incredible like you know you like the maid you know i just clean up this like this mess can we keep it clean you know <laughs> two seconds it's a life yeah, for two seconds. Yeah, I know. It's the life of a uh, superhero. What can I say? Yeah. yeah. Are you been good? Everything's good with you? Super humble, apparently. But we should also note that this Sunday, this Sunday. is Senor Sweetness's birthday. Oh, yeah. Ripa, Ripa. He's turning very old. <laughs> you know, it's, it's literally like context. You know, I'm old by your standards. 
but I'm young by a lot of other people's standards. I know. I know. It really is. Yeah, yeah. And then but, by my know, children's like, standards, considering... we're all old. I'm ancient. I am yeah. ancient by their standards. The thing is, you know, for like the age I'm a, I'm a specimen. Yeah, you're good. Pretty good for your age you're at. Yeah, pretty decent age. I remember my dad actually had to have a double bypass. Um, I think it was, I think he turned 50. And so I'm like, I'm like, hey, I'm doing pretty good. I'm like, my health is great. I'm, yeah. I don't have like the health issues that my dad had. So I feel like it. And I have a heck of a lot more hair than he did. Oh, yeah. At my age. That's right. Well, I'm not concerned about my hair. My dad is. Yeah. Like, you have nice, nice thick dreads up there. Well, my dad's 50, 57, and he mm. still has a full head. So, yes, right. I'm not you super concerned good. about that. Mm. Anyways, but the, should... other, the other thing that's interesting, and I will say this, like last thing, yeah. is that the the brother of this young man is coming back. He's oh, yeah. coming home. Well, his his wife is art. His wife came back this week, mm -hmm. and so yeah, I saw my two nieces. Yeah, today when I was picking up the kids, and then I think my brother's coming Excited. back on Monday, so Ooh. it'll be good to have them back. Even though they're basically going to be like, "Okay, let's go on a road trip," immediately. Because <laughs> my brother, well, when you've been locked up in Quebec, like you take advantage of the, your freedom. Yeah, <laughs> so it'll be interesting when when he comes back and be like, "So Nathan." Let's Rally? have a talk. Well, it'd be, it'd be sort of interesting because, like, my dad's just like, yeah, unless they really change things, like, there's not much, there's not too much point to go back to the rallies, like, unless, because, like, we're reopening pretty much fully next week. And I'm like, oh, oh, he fell like, into that, didn't he? And I'm like, okay, we'll see how long that lasts, but okay. Pull me once. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, yeah, I'm like, but if they close back up again, then it's going to be like, okay, full steel, mm -hmm. like, things are going to be harsh. They, anyway. they fooled everybody. Yeah. Oh, they fooled everybody this past summer. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, don't let them do it again. Just don't let them do it again. Oh, it's going to happen. I'm predicting it right now. I'm predicting it. Yeah. They're bringing it all back. Okay. All right. So let's talk about, about, let's talk about our sat this week in satire. Before we go on and on about lockdowns. <laughs> so this is, of course, from the Babylon Bee, our number one source in satire, because the onion is crap. Yep. I always check the onion. But every just single sure. time, like, they literally had a story at the onion. And it's just like, um, garbage baby born on February 22nd at 2.23 p.m. That sounds lovely. And I'm like, that's not that funny. Not even that's less, that's like SNL comedy. Yeah, it is SNL comedy, and I'm like, mm, no, mm -hmm. this is just dumb. So, mm -hmm. talking about Taiwan, the citizens of Taiwan reported today they were grateful to receive a free preview of the kind of thing that's going to happen to them in just a few short weeks, thanks to America's weakness on the world stage under President Biden. People across Lovely. the country tuned in for the exciting free sneak preview of what China was going to do to them any day now. Now that President Xi is sure that Biden has no backbone whatsoever. Well, I guess we better prepare. Local man Huang Jihao said as he watched the Russian invasion of Ukraine on TV, this is going to be bad. At least we got this mm. nice little teaser trailer, though. A lot of countries don't get the privilege of seeing their future like this. 
<laughs> according to their according to sources, the Taiwanese were hopeful that Biden's declaration that America is back, that he would go toe to toe with the world's toughest leaders, meant that Xi Jinping would be held back for another four years. But as soon as he mm. botched the withdrawal from Afghanistan, they began to have their doubts. Finally, once they saw him take the long nap while Putin invaded Russia, they realized they were completely and totally screwed. Oh, I told yeah. for them. So as publishing time, sources had confirmed that President Xi was also watching the footage with a sly smile. Yay! <laughs> it's coming. I'm oh, it is coming. definitely coming. And we'll go into a little bit yep. later that it might be closer than you think, but mm, things yeah. are sketch. Well, now, things are just sketching the will, whole global environment. I will say this, though. Um, China is going to have a bit of a, a tougher time uh, invading Taiwan than Russia will have invading Ukraine. Yes. Because literally Russia is surrounding Ukraine, and they a land invasion is actually not that difficult, especially if you have, like, you know, like superiority. A, a sea invasion is remarkably more difficult. Well, a sea like, and air invasion. Massively. Yeah, because that's the not only, only way that they, they can really like, get there. Well, and then they still have to hold Taiwan, yeah. so they have to get their people there by boats, and that's difficult. That's a logistical nightmare. But on top of that, they have to be able to like take Taiwan without destroying the infrastructure that they need to protect. So it's a bit more of a precision thing. Just so you people know, it's not as not as easy as what's happening with Russia, but still, mm -hmm. they're they're clearly outgunned. Oh yeah, so, like. So significantly no outgunned, yeah. it's not funny. Yeah. And we'll elaborate later as far as Russia and all of that. But <sighs> we just thought this story was kind of a little bit of brevity before oh. facing the darkness that is nuclear winter. <laughs> Which my coworkers and I were joking about in the blizzard today. I'm like, mm, nuclear winter is here. We're That's getting the early like. set on onset of it. <laughs> but Yep. Bring it on. Bring it Moving on. Moving on to what comes next, which is Yeah, this happened this week. Yeah. The rants of the week. So let's jump straight into that. That'll be fun. Bring it. Red alert. Yeah. So the rants of the week is that the establishment just compares everything to white supremacy and Nazism. <laughs> Absolutely everything. I, I remember seeing this. I, I was like, I remember seeing the headline for this this thing, and I was like, that no, no, they're like that. Like at this point, you're just like, this almost seems like satire entirely. This is like a Babylon Bee article. Like, no, she did. Yes, yeah, she did. Yeah, she went. She actually literally said that. It was they weren't reading into it. Like she literally said that. Yeah, easy. Yeah, no, I, I, I heard about this and I was like, no, this can't be real. You can't be this dumb. <laughs> and then I was listening to it on like the Matt Walsh show yesterday, and I was like, oh no, she's that dumb. She is that I dumb. Swear. I swear, like the Canadian liberals, I've become a circus, mm -hmm. like a circus of fools. It's crazy what, yeah. like the stuff that comes out of their mouths is just insane. Yeah. So this is this is a story, and then we're gonna watch. Then we're going to have the couple Twitter videos from this because mm. it's just that stupid. <laughs> but so Canadian lawmaker, this is from the Washington Times, says Hong Kong is code for Heil Hitler. Yeah, Heil sure Hitler. it is. 
MP Yara Sachs made the claim in Parliament to attack as white supremacist the Tucker. This is a very weirdly phrased to attack as white supremacists the trucker convoys who had paralyzed the nation's capital and border crossings for much of the month. The Freedom Convoy adopted Hong Kong as an official as an unofficial slogan, playing this off the sound made by car and truck horns, which the drivers would often sound off during the demonstrations. They also somewhat played off of the like free Hong Kong free Hong Kong movement. And they would say yep. free Hong Kong. Yep, and it actually became very uh, a very big symbolic thing because yeah. like the 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 sound of like you know the most iconic like American bird, which is the Canadian goose, is a big honk, you know. So it just kind of became it, it kind of became a very uh, funny, like you know, almost like a, a calling, uh, like like the, like it's basically Canada's "Let's Go Brandon." Yeah, I think that's the way I would put it. Mm -hmm. It became iconic because of the like you know because like honking became synonymous with like like letting out your frustrations yeah. in a loud way. It's, a, it's a very satisfying. So there's a reason why people be pretty much like, you know, launched on the thing. And in the same way that people tried in the States to try to like say that, let's go Brandon. It's basically mm -hmm. like horrible and hateful. Like it was this like white no, supremacist thing. And it was like, it's, no, it's, it's just a soft way of saying the more crude phrase, which attacks Joe Biden because he's legitimately Easily one of the worst presidents that America has ever seen. Just yeah, yeah. Do you remember Justin Trudeau is easily one of the worst prime ministers we've ever seen uh, by far? But do you remember like when Biden actually was asked like, and some he said like, let's he actually said let's go Brandon in yeah. a, like a video interview or something like that. And I was yeah, like, he yeah, actually Christmas. said it. He said it. He said it himself. Well, <laughs> oh, like God. our our friend Alan <laughs> Jacoby uh, yeah. interviewed that guy. <laughs> so I thought that was a really funny. And sometime I'm going to be like, okay, Alan, let's have a discussion about what things are like here in Canada in the States and talk so about good, so good. Yeah, all the stuff that's going on. But I'll continue the story here. But Miss Sachs sees Hong Kong differently. How much vitriol do we have to see if Hong Kong, which is an acronym for Hail Hitler. Do we oh, she need just to threw that in there. Oh, yeah, she just threw that in there. Do we need to see on social yeah. media? She demanded to know from her podium in the House of Commons on Monday. She's a member of the ruling Liberal Party of Justin Trudeau, who has frequently accused the truckers, many of them non-white, of racism and white supremacy. After oh, being ridiculed... You mean the ones that had, like, Sikhs in the crowd and talking to the cameras? Yeah. Where their turbans? Yeah. <laughs> After being ridiculed on social media for attributing horn sounds to Nazism, Ms. Sachs refused to back down later. For those who think that Hong Kong oh. is some innocuous joke, I'll just leave this here, she wrote. Retweeting yeah. a 2019 threat by a self thread by a self-described anti-fascist organizer who claimed honk tonk is intended to mask the phrase Heil Hitler. Yep. And then I think this is the tweet yeah, right here. Yeah, he actually like talks about it. Yeah. So yeah, this is the this actual is a tweet. Canadian journalist who actually like points yeah. this out. Mm -hmm. Like read what the journalist said. Like read what he says. Yeah. So the journalist Jonathan K. Actual tweet from a Liberal member of Parliament seeking to back up her claim that saying Hong Kong means you are pledging allegiance to Adolf Hitler. These are the people running our country. The fools. Yeah. The fools. So this is the tweet from 2019. Let's start with a classic and a new variant. 88 and HH phrases like Hong Kong. They mean Heil Hitler. H is the eighth letter of the alphabet. Thus 88. Hong Kong is often is associated with the Honkler and is often used ironically by alt-right trolls. 
Oh no. Mm-hmm. I think the the problem is that a lot of these a lot of these people who uh, make these comments on like you know particularly like you know they have to do so many intellectual oh. like you know like uh, gymnastics mm-hmm. that it's almost like it's it's like it's like you know when you have to explain a joke it just stops being funny because you have to go through so many effort to explain yeah. it. When these people like try to like back up their stuff, it's like they have to go through so many. Be like, well, well, HH is like is is connected to a number, and a number is connected to like Hitler, and Hitler is like it's yeah. like oh come on. And the sad Just part is like I didn't admit it. I didn't even look into this woman too much because she's such a joke. But this woman is mm-hmm. the minister of families, children, and social development. Yeah, I don't want her anywhere this near is her family. Who the government has assigned to be responsible for families, children, and social development. Honk honk is Heil Hitler. No. <laughs> no, you're just a moron. And it, thankfully, it, yeah. thankfully, she is parried, parodied wonderfully, wonderfully by Freedom Tunes. Oh, they've done a great job. How much vitriol do we have to see of Honk Honk, which is an acronym for Hail Hitler? Freeze the bank account of everyone who protests against me. Good luck paying your rent or buying food. <laughs> it's so great. Like the way the way they did that at the end. It's just like eh, nothing to see here. It's all good. It's this like, is totally fine. But it was so funny because of the like that's what made it even more yeah. crazy. If she had said this in a vacuum when nothing else was happening and nothing else had occurred, that would have been crazy enough. But the fact that she said it right after her own leader, her own party leader, literally got roasted acted like a Nazi, worldwide. acted like a fascist, and attacked yes. his own people for protesting yes. against him. Yes. And she says nothing about that, but she's just like, oh, yes, let's point to this obscure Twitter post from two years uh-huh. ago, which means absolutely nothing and nobody took seriously and nobody actually thinks that Hong Kong is an acronym for Heil Hitler because Hong Kong is two words, whereas an acronym is a shortened firm or an abbreviation for something. I'm like, okay, uh-huh. you don't know what acronym means. Mm, not at all. So it's just like... What are you talking about, woman? You're just that stupid. Yeah. But unfortunately, and, well, well, the the thing, yeah. Well, here's the thing with um with that is that Justin Trudeau, like a lot of people, were shocked this week that he walked back mm-hmm. uh, the, the the emergency powers totally on his own. Everyone thought like, okay, maybe the Senate is our last hope, and people were talking about it nonstop. The Senate, the Senate, like you know, of course, you and I didn't have much. Much hope for the Senate because they're 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 a bunch of hacks. But I mean, even the Senate was actually having a bit of a long debate time. about it. They're like, it. no, right? But here's the thing: I think I think uh, international like ridicule and pressure was starting to pretty much like you know tell Trudeau like this is a an extremely dangerous um, yeah. kind of thing politically. I think he saw yeah. like the the hit on his political career and also. Not only that, but also he started to realize that the banks were having some massive mm-hmm. backlash well, from like, the, the market. Because, oh, yeah. people were pulling out their money 
by the bucket load out of Canadian banks. And it's yep. like, oh yeah, like if you threaten to destabilize the bank accounts mm-hmm. of anyone who disagrees with you, and guess what? A lot of people disagree with you, so you're going to have a lot of people pulling their money out of the Canadian banks. What is that going to yep. do? It's going to dis- destabilize the banks and effectively it's, almost it's deregulate them. Well, people, a lot of people don't know this. There was a, there's a story in Fee from uh, this past week, and uh, Fee basically like showed that there was like uh, the day after they announced that they were going to go after the bank accounts, there was like outages at five mm-hmm. of the major banks in Canada. Yeah. Like huge outages where like suddenly their their websites were down. People were going to the ATM. They suddenly couldn't access their accounts and all that. Yeah. And it's because most of these banks experienced what was an extremely destabilizing yeah. amount of bank runs where people were going in get to taking out thousands and thousands and thousands mm-hmm. of dollars all at once. And if you know anything about banks, banks aren't that soluble. Soluble. Nope. They don't have well, especially, the amount of money that people have. Yeah. Like people people may have theoretical money, but banks don't have that that much money in actual physical. Oh yeah. Uh, well, and yeah. like my my father in law told me this one time that the way the Canadian banks are set up is that the Canadian banks can lend much more money than they have. Mm-hmm. Like in physical assets, like they can lend out 5,000 when they actually only have about 1,000. And so if everybody comes and claims their money at the same time, the banks are royally screwed. Yeah. And so like, yeah, it was probably a mix of a bunch of different things of international pressure and societal pressure and the yeah, threat of was economic getting, collapse. He was getting ridiculed by the president of like, what was it, like El Salvador? Yep. Like he he basically like he lambasted him for like, you know, his his comments and like a whole bunch of other like third world countries were doing the same thing. And then obviously like he came out and condemned like Cuba for like their authoritarianism. People were like, oh, shut up, you know, like you idiot and all that. And then oh. same thing with Russia. I thought that was and, hilarious you know, on Tuesday night when he's just like, "Yes, we can, we condemn like tyrannical dictatorships," and we're like, "What now? <laughs> like, you condemn like tyrannical dictatorship? You, yeah. you still got you a little know? blood there on your cheek, right there. You might want to get yeah. that off before you say that. You know, like, like <laughs> I don't think you've had almost ever in history a more like plank to spec comparison <laughs> as of uh... Tuesday night." Because like that was as the, of plankiest. Tu- the plankiest. Oh, the plank. <laughs> well, as of Tuesday night, it was just like yes, we're like we're moving some things in, and we recognize these independent states. And Trudeau's yeah. like, yes, we condemn tyrann- tyrannies, and it's just like, <laughs> what? <laughs> it would be like it would be like somebody standing. He's like standing over the dead bodies of the like the the orphans that you just shot. Yeah. He's like, I condemn violence of all kinds. Mm-hmm. Like, what? What? No, yeah. no, you don't get to say that. No, that's not. Go how sit that down, works. have your other pudding pop. You're not fit to be a leader. You know, you have your other pudding pop. Yeah, <laughs> another person that needs to have their. But yeah, talking like finishing about Trudeau. This is actually an entertaining that, video that, from that, this oh, hour's twenty two minutes. That picture of him right there is so perfect. <laughs> it is so perfect. It is so perfect. But this is actually a video from this hour's twenty two minutes. Which is produced which is a CBC government-funded media. And they finally yeah. said, okay, like, this is enough. We have to satirize them. And this is actually <laughs> funny. It's probably the first thing that's, yeah. I've seen if, that's funny by this hour's 22 minutes in years. Probably, since Trudeau, probably since Trudeau has, gra- like, been elected. 
Yeah. There hasn't been that much funny since then. But let's watch this. Full it is... screen treatment. Full screen treatment. Things are out of control. Justin Trudeau has invoked the Emergencies <laughs> Act for the first time ever. And now you can too. <laughs> Hello. Mr. Jones, this. this is the CRA. It seems you haven't filed your taxes for the last two years. I invoke the Emergencies Act. <laughs> I invoke the Emergencies Act. Sir, uh, you can't do that. Just watch me. <laughs> Thanks, Justin Trudeau. Overwhelmed, stressed, <laughs> incapable of handling a situation? Invoke the Emergencies Act. I'm sorry, Gary. You just haven't landed any new accounts, so I'm going to have to let you go. I invoke the Emergencies Act. You can't fire me. Yes, I can. No, you can't. It's a thing. Look it up. Sorry. Sorry. Gary. <laughs> These special temporary measures help you cope with any <coughs> urgent and critical situation long after you should have. Gary, I'm leaving you. <laughs> I invoke the Emergencies Act. I've met somebody new. I invoke the Emergencies Act. Damn you, Gary. We have to face this. I invoke the Emergencies Act. The Emergencies Act. It's for emergencies. <laughs> if you fail to act, Emergency Act. Not available in Alberta, Saskatchewan, and Manitoba. Don't forget, forget, don't forget, come back. Yeah. Oh man, that's actually funny because that's exactly that actually how well Trudeau has acted. But mm -hmm. like we were saying. It's not just this lady, it's not just Trudeau that blames all their problems and attributes anyone they disagree with as a racist, a white supremacist, and a Nazi. It's also people like Jake Uger. So this is a tweet that he made this morning. Right wing doesn't love Putin because he's an authoritarian, tyrannical leader. They love him because he's a white authoritarian leader. Race has become more important than even nationality. They've turned on democracy and now even America in favor of a white warlord. Oh my gosh. You complete putts. <laughs> you complete putts. Like, okay. Name one right winger that likes Putin in America. One right winger? Um, I'm going to go ahead and say the, the actual leader of the white supremacists. What was his name? Um, uh, David Duke? David Duke probably likes Putin. Probably one of the only people in, in, in there. But like legitimate right-wingers. Like, you know, actual, like, you know, right-wingers? No. Nobody actually likes Putin. Mm -hmm. Didn't like other white-wingers, like Richard Spencer, didn't he say that he would openly support Biden? I think he Something did, like, like prior yeah, to the it's... election. And they're like, oh, David Duke said he's going to vote for, for Donald Trump. But it's like... But Richard Spencer mm -hmm. said he was going to vote for, 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 for Biden. For Biden, we don't talk about. We don't talk we don't about. Talk we don't talk about. Those. That's right. Try they it. don't exist. They don't exist. No, but like we don't talk about Spencer. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my kids cannot stop singing I, I that threw song. You, I threw you off with that one. Didn't I? <laughs> <laughs> I just threw me. I was just like, well done, well done. <laughs> Well, done. well, done. well I was thinking right. of another musical commentary for it, and I was just like, I can't find one. <laughs> yeah, can't find hmm. one. But so, yeah, no, the the there's um there's the accusation that um, essentially that the white people like you know support 
authoritarianism. And it's funny because there's there's a there's a conflation of right wing and conservatism. And in in reality, mm-hmm. if you think about right wing, right wing is conservatism and it's usually small government. Yep. And I think people have this weird notion that on on the there's a spectrum, and on either end of the spectrum is authoritarianism. Yep. And it's like, no, no, you don't understand how the spectrum works. On the one side of the spectrum is totalitarianism, is complete total total and big total daddy government, government. Yeah, big daddy government, total government control over every facet of existence. Right. And the other and spectrum the other side of the spectrum is the opposite is... of that. What is that? It's called anarchy. It's still bad, but it's basically like no yeah. government. Everyone's free to do whatever that crap they want. But mm-hmm. it's not authoritarianism. No. So it's just funny well, that yeah, people I've say to like this to me. love Putin. I've had to explain this to a bunch of people. It's just like, oh, like fascism and Nazism are just like they're the crazy fringe far right extremists. And I'm like, so okay, let's get this straight. Like the two most like widely accepted by the popular culture as right wing and left wing, left wing being socialism and communism, right wing mm-hmm. being fascism and libertarianism. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, socialism and communism, basically the same thing. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Still that tracks, that tracks. Fascism mm-hmm. and libertarianism could not be Polar more opposite. different. But, yeah, and so I'm just like, how do you get that? It's all because they've like, they've manipulated into like this. Oh, like you can be a left wing libertarian. I'm like, mm-hmm. no, you can't. You can be some like anti government hippie, mm-hmm. but that also means you're anti government. You could hold these personal views for yourself. Yeah, but typically. You don't want the government interfering in your life, which means, yeah, they're, they're like, which means, of course, that like you're you don't have to be to have conservative values to be a right winger. No, that there really isn't a good example of a right wing, like a dystopian kind of like government, mm-hmm. because a right wing dystopian government is basically a government that has very small government. Actually, yeah. I would say that the early United States, if you actually look yeah. at the early early united states when they didn't have a centralized it was all like independent state mm-hmm. that's what the united states was yep. and because of the 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 rise of all sorts of like rebellions and all sorts of like little wars and battles everywhere that yep. that kind of like like you know propelled them to like okay we need to have some form of centralized government and maybe some form of a general army because they realized it wasn't sustainable they couldn't just have like Small governments everywhere, and so they actually had to go a little bit more centralized for government mm-hmm. because small government doesn't really isn't able to really push back the forces around you. Yeah. So that what what it really is, if you okay, let, let me put it this way. Let me look at the crowd. Anybody looking right now? I'm looking right at you, right, right at your face, right. At your face. Here's the thing: right if you face. believe <laughs> right there, if you believe that fascism is right-wing you've been had you've been hoodwinked you've been lied to it's a completely made-up thing made up by people during the 1960s who desperately wanted to to incriminate their opponents to paint their opponents as dangerous like you know authoritarians 
The whole like even even if you look at the the whole like uh, Handmaid's Tale, okay, mm-hmm. the Handmaid's Tale is like it supposedly suggests that uh, oh right wing like the the theocracies yeah. are going to take over. Three, Guess what? A theocracy is left wing. If yep. you really think about it, mm-hmm. it's left wing because it's big government. Yeah, you know, like yes, conservatism tends to be like you know like you know Christianity, but. Like, you know, but no, it, it, Christianity doesn't want massive government. Yeah. Most, okay. So yeah. there's like a lot of overlap. Mm-hmm. So no, no, fascism is not like the, the Nazis had far more in common with uh, the, the Soviets yeah. than, than they ever have with like the right, the right wing. Mm-hmm. Yep. Not anything close. So anyways, go on. Yeah, no, exactly what I was, what Move I was going to say. And there's not, I said it very well, didn't I? Yeah, you said it reasonably well. You said it reasonably Thanks, well. Thanks, man. I applaud Thanks. you for your, I speak for, Steven. for your modicum so of sense. This <laughs> one time, no. <laughs> but speaking of someone who has a modicum of sense and is seen to be showing, showcasing that more and more all the time, let's talk about Kyle Rittenhouse. Man with the biggest conies. I know. Kyle Rittenhouse launching initiative to combat lies from powerful media outlets' names those he may sue says the media accountability project would be a fundraising tool to make media outlets to take media outlets to court so the 18 year old who was found not guilty following the deadly shooting during the 2020 kenosha riots is launching a newish initiative to combat powerful news organizations for the lies they spew i don't know why fox news put that in quotation marks because they do quote me and my team have decided to launch the media accountability project as a tool to help fundraise and hold the media accountable for the lies they said and to deal with them in court, he said on Monday's Tucker Carlson. I don't want to see anyone else having to deal with what I went through, so I want to hold them accountable for what they did to me because I don't want to see anybody have to go through what I went through, he told Tucker. Uh-huh. When he asked himself, when asked if he himself would be suing any news organization, he offered a sample of who is currently on the list. Right now, we're looking at quite a few politicians, celebrities, athletes, whoopies on the list. She called me a murderer after I was acquitted by a jury of my peers. She went on to still yep. say that. He also yep. name-dropped uh, Chenk Weger, who we just mentioned, who called Rittenhouse a murderer before the trial and continues to call me a murderer. And we're going to hold everybody who lied about me accountable. Anyone who called me a white supremacist, they're all going to be held accountable. We're going to handle them in a courtroom. So, mm. this is good. This is good. This is... Bravo, man. Bravo. Yeah. Mama. Mm-hmm. Mama. Well, and like... You need, like, we know how badly the media has lied about all of this and continue to lie. Like, Mm -hmm. we covered how they lied about the trucker convoy. We covered how they lied about the freedom protests that have occurred all across Alberta, all across Canada. How they lied, well, they lied about Rittenhouse, how they lied, like, this Mm -hmm. is why we do the shrew check, how they lied about masks and the efficacy of the vaccine and all these things the media especially the establishment media has been showcasing themselves as the biggest liars around and they do not care as long as their narrative gets pushed as long as their narrative that kyle rittenhouse was a white supremacist and a murderer and that not everything he did was because mm-hmm. he was this aggressive, evil, hateful bigot and tr- Donald Trump supporter. No. All yeah. of that was a lie, and it's good that he's holding them to a task to task for it. Yeah, there's um, Eva Frey. 
uh, did a vi video recently. If you guys don't know who Viva Frey is, a great uh, uh, like he's a he's a lawyer, lawyer but, like, you know, YouTuber. Turned YouTuber does a great job. He actually like you know fact checked. Um, what's it? CBC uh, CTV's W five, mm -hmm. and they basically made, they they published a verifiable lie about something that uh, claiming that he he got like you know banned from like videos from YouTube and somewhere else, and that like now he's on Rumble and Rumble won't. And so basically it was a whole lie, yeah. and then he called them on it, and then their retraction was dishonest as well. Mm -hmm. So this shows you that these and here's the thing. There, ben Shapiro said it really well like that. What is the biggest deterrent for people from committing crimes? It's not the size of the penalty. It's how likely are you to be caught? To be punished. So well, to have, be caught and punished. Yeah, to be caught and punished. So, like, if for example, if you go on the road and you speed all the time, mm -hmm. like, if like they can increase the fines all you want, but if you don't think you're going to get caught, yeah. you're probably going to risk it. Well, yeah, like, but if however, you have, if you have a thousand yeah. cars and one mm -hmm. cop, it does, yep. Like, whether you increase the fine or not, it's like, well, that might deter a couple people, but unless uh -huh. you increase the amount of people who are patrolling, then it's like, well, the likelihood of me being pulled over is so infinitesimally low that it does not matter. Yeah. The thing with the media and all these people is that they say these things and they know they're never going to get caught. Mm -hmm. No one's going to hold them accountable. They can say, verify, and it's, this is the thing. I, I got frustrated listening to Parliament. At uh, this this entire past couple of weeks, the reason I, I actually got so frustrated because I'm like, they're speaking verifiable lies, mm -hmm. like they're actually going up there, and 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 I'm like, they're literally he's literally saying things that can be proven, that have already been proven to be lies, and yet he's saying them as if they're true. Mm -hmm. How is the getting away? How is anybody getting away with this kind of stuff? Like that's slander. Yeah. It and is. yet nobody's calling them on it. And so no, I was really frustrated. And I'm like, I'm like, it's one thing to say a claim that may or may not be true, but once it's like obvious and it's verifiably false, that is a problem. Mm -hmm. And so I like, you know, like with the whole Nick Sandman thing, if you remember like the, the Covington boys who got just roasted by the media, the problem is, and this is something that I even there was a video that came up with CBC uh, was on on location in Ottawa, and somebody was like asking him, it was like, you guys are are out here and you're spreading lies, and these lies have consequences because these lies will result in people being docked, people mm -hmm. being attacked, people getting their losing their jobs, people losing their uh, like you know getting threatened. All of these things have consequences, and you don't care, so they're dangerous. These are this isn't just like. A slight lie. This is literally dangerous. Mm -hmm. So a good example would be with Kyle Rittenhouse, when LeBron was like like mocking him yep. for what he did or what he said. People respond to that. They believe, oh, this person said it, so it must be true. And so this is not just dishonesty. We're not just concerned about this. I mean, dishonesty is bad enough, mm -hmm. but this dishonesty leads to people being hurt, and. Sadly, the, like there are people who die because mm -hmm. of dishonesty. Yeah. And so this, this is dangerous, not just irresponsible. So yeah. I'm glad that this kid is doing that. Like Cal is legitimately a, a stand-up guy. Yeah. He really is. And I, I, I'm very proud of this guy. Yeah. He's showcasing exactly what we need to be doing to confront the establishment media. And like yeah. <clears throat> any media source that slanders 
that prints libel, that does anything to attack the reputation and the livelihood of someone else. Like, we know that due to what happened in the media, that the Rittenhouse guy, Nick Sandman, I mean, not the Rittenhouse, the Covington kid, Nick Sandman, and Cal Rittenhouse will never be able to find, like, an ordinary job or live an ordinary life again. Because of how the media and others have slandered them and attacked them and labeled them. It's like, oh, well, you're just a white supremacist. You're just uh, you're just a this. You're just a that. And because of that, that has affected the rest of their lives. And the media felt it was okay to do this because it was about pushing a message that they wanted pushed. And it didn't matter who they hurt. And it didn't matter what damage they did to that person as long as it got them clicks, as it got them views. And as long as it pushed the message that they wanted spread. And that was exceptionally responsible. And so what Kyle is trying to do is saying, okay, we're going to help others do the same thing that I did. Others who might not have the same reach. Others who might not have the same power. And we are going to address what they're doing. And we are going to call these organizations out. And we're going to make it so that people can easily sue them and punish them for the wrongdoing that they are committing. You addressed their Darth Vader. Good for you. I was like, you know, that, that's just like that, that looks tacky. I'm like I didn't, I didn't realize I didn't fix Darth Vader. He mm. deserves respect. Unlike those news media organizations that do not respect, deserve any respect whatsoever. Yeah. And you know, else you know who else Stephen doesn't deserve respect? School boards. Mm, yeah, the way that they're treating teachers, yep. absolutely think that they don't deserve respect either. Well, the way, well, not not so much the way they're treating teachers, but definitely the way that they're treating parents. Oh, parents! And that's why we're doing the shrewd check. <laughs> yeah, I int- did the introduction a little bit early, but that's okay. So, the, just a brief introduction, of course. Last year. In case you were in completely in or in 2020 and in 2021, if you were living under a complete rock, then mm-hmm. you would not know that the schools were shut down across North America and across the world. Mm-hmm. And this, of course, affected the way that people parent because then they had to stay home. Then they had to make it so that people had computers, all these things that children could study from home. And that they wouldn't go to school. And everything was done for the quote-unquote rationale of protecting children. Uh When in reality, it was about making hyper-afraid teachers and school board members feel safer. And they significantly damaged the future of a lot of kids. And child abuse rates and childhood suicide attempts and childhood drug abuse rates are higher than they've ever been. So and it, and it really got out of out of hand. It did. The problem is that the yeah, I think that uh, we found out like a couple of things over this past year. We found out that the school boards have an enormous enormous amount of impact and influence yeah. on American politics, and that's why they were able to like you know bully the the governments to basically. Like, conti- like continued loss. If you actually wonder why are schools, why do schools have mass mandates? And why do schools like lockdown so hard? It's because of the advocacy, lobbying, and influence of, of the teachers unions mm-hmm. in the United States. 
And well, Canada's like, even, no different. Canada I think, also. I yeah. think even the National Teachers Union, which I think it's run by a person named Randy Weingartner mm-hmm. in the States, I think they're even staying to this day. They're like, oh, yeah, like, you don't need to have students in classrooms. Like, you can do it from home. And they were advocating yeah. for a very long time. It's just like, yep, until we have complete student vaccination rates, then there's no reason for teachers to go back to work. And it's just like, what? Like, you guys are all insane. This is absolutely nonsensical. Yeah. Like, do you know, like, that here in Alberta, when Jason Kenney uh, decided yeah. to, like, deactivate the... Um, uh, or like remove the mass mandate for schools. Mm-hmm. There were actually school the teachers boards union. And you, like that they were actually saying like you know oh like how can we like you know what can we do how can we activate uh, and how can we like push back against us because we we have a right to be, have, be safe in schools and, yeah. and by the way like anybody who says you have a right to be safe that, that's not a right. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry like the, the rights thing just became it becomes a uh, like a, a synonym for I'm entitled. Yeah. That's really what they become, and they're not mm-hmm. actually right. You don't have a right to, like, you know, to to. Well, be and, and you can't, and you can't be. It's just like I have a right to be safe, and it's like, well, if you have a right to be safe, then the government basically has to ensure that you have the right to not do anything. It's like, oh, I have the right to be safe. It's like, okay, well, then due to your right to be safe, we'll take away your car because that's a potential yeah, that's hazard. Basically- that's basically the 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 plot of iRobot. Do you yeah. remember that movie? Like oh yeah, with Will Smith. Will the whole, Smith. The whole premise of iRobot or whatever was that. Three laws. The four laws. The four, four laws. laws uh, I think yeah. So they, they basically the, the whole premise was like they they came up with like an algorithm that the that the computer had to follow, and the computer basically like thought it through and be like, well, the only way to ensure that this can be done fully mm-hmm. is to make sure that like humans are locked down forever. Yeah, because that's the only we have way to protect you from yourselves. Sure that, yeah, exactly. So the, then the the robots basically went like you know. Well, that's that's exactly how the governments and that's exactly how the teachers' unions have acted. It's just like, well, um, these members of society don't agree with us and our methods to quote unquote protect and like keep people safe, and so we are going to keep them safe from themselves, and we're going to force them to do all these things. That's exactly what mask mandates are. That's exactly what lockdown mandates are. They are control yeah. in the in the guise of public safety. And the way that they even explain it is, oh, yes, like we have to mandate this because people are not going to do it. Yeah. It's like, no, you can't just say I'm going to choose things. I'm going to dictate how you live your life because I don't think the that's exactly what they're saying. I don't think you're smarter, smart enough Mm -hmm. to live your life according to the, the wishes of my my personal desires. Well, and this is the perfect example of what how leftists is, leftists operate. Mm-hmm. Remember how you and I have always like seen leftists, whether they're pro-abortion, whether they're pro-LGBT uh, like groups, whether they're pro uh, uh, you know CRT. They can't argue. They don't yeah. know how to convince others. They don't know how to like you know rebut people who are well informed on a topic. And so they they basically resort to just shunning and never listening and just yelling down their opposition. People like that love force yeah. because they can't convince you. They don't know how to convince others. They don't know how to persuade people. And so all they do, they rely on force and on bullying in order to get their way. Yeah, This is a perfect example of bullying. I think you're wrong. I don't want to talk to you. And so I'm going to, 
I love the idea that a government can use force to force you to do what I want because yeah. I'm like, I hate to say it, sometimes you're a bit too stupid to have a reasonable dialogue so you rely on force. Yeah. And this is how bullies work. So this the, now this whole concept kind of comes down to um, it, it, it can be complicated, but I think this this mother, this one of a, a mother mm -hmm. in uh, the U.S., she basically went went on a long little explanation of why they're right to be angry, and is glorious. It's really really yeah, good. So it is good. Yeah, so let's let's, let's go out. through it and like it's it's a good it's a good kind of like intro for a lot of people. So mm -hmm. go for it. I need to say something. Uh, call it explanatory journalism for those politicians, op-ed writers, uh, school boards, and union leaders who still don't understand why the parents mm. seem so upset. Oh, it is a real head-scratcher. Uh, public schools were closed for a year. A year. <laughs> and y'all thought that nothing would happen? They weren't closed everywhere, and God bless the places that were smart and brave enough to open in fall of 2020 and serve children. Those places were all, of course, looked down upon by the experts in major metro areas of this country who closed schools for a year. A year. Mm -hmm. Northern Virginia was among the worst, but San Francisco, Chicago, L.A., Seattle, uh, they just closed schools. And that's not the problem. Initial fear, confusion, I get it. But leadership didn't try to open them again. The default in every major blue metro area, the places that I'm to understand care most about equity and public education, was to keep the doors closed to students of every race and income, to kids with learning challenges, to kids with severe disabilities, to kids with legally required IEPs, doors closed. Those with resources fled public schools for private schools and homeschooling. Those private schools, by the way, open safely sometimes blocks down the street from public schools. Those without resources languished as educators told the parents they're now saying should have no say in this whole thing. That nah, uh, being on a screen for four to seven hours a day is good now. I know we told you it was bad before, but it's actually good. So don't worry about it. Spoiler alert. It was very bad. Oh, school boards school boards spent summer 2020 doing god knows what writing roadmaps i guess they do a lot of roadmaps very little driving uh no school in fall of 2020 not even hybrid in a lot of places parents gave them a grace period for fear standard incompetence in the spring mm -hmm. but they started to get a little antsy at that point and that's not all look the doors of the school weren't always closed no 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 no, no. they opened public school buildings to paid child care programs so that the parents who weren't getting the school that they paid for in taxes could pay more money to send their kids to a school building where they would be taught on zoom by teachers who weren't there while being supervised by people who were willing to be there i can't express how angry that made people okay, meanwhile school there. boards are renaming school board buildings to <laughs> okay so a couple things uh for what she said she's she's right yeah. Parents have a right to be pissed. Mm -hmm. I mean, like for, for anybody who has kids, like, you know, like you, and you also have a full-time job, it's a massive imposition, yeah. a humongous imposition to, to close out of school because then you have to like, then you have to make arrangements. And I mean, everyone's different. Some people have maybe like, you know, have the enough income to be able to have one parent home. Some people don't. What if you're a single mother? Yeah. How do you juggle having your kids home? 
and and also having to work like it's it's a very difficult thing and so people have a right to be mad yeah about like doing something like that um on top of that the the uh the problem isn't that the, just that they close schools is that they that that these closures have unintended impacts mm-hmm. like you know like low income like I, i've said this for a long time low impact low, like you know like sorry low low income, low income families like the poorer kids like all those the, the, the people that are hurt the most are the people who are the supposedly that the democrats and liberals are supposedly you know say they care about Oh, the poor. What about the poor? What about the disadvantaged? What about those like minority, like, you know, parents and like the ones like, you know, are like left behind. I'm like, well, you've done a policy that hurts them all. And like, even, even early on, Stephen and I, we both understood that the, the science didn't make sense. And we've only seen that confirmed and the mm-hmm. damage being done to children for mental health, their developmental damage that's being done to them the psychological damage, like there's so many damages being done. And yes, so we need to acknowledge people have a right to be pissed because that is a, that is not just a inconvenience. That is a massive, massive, massive harm being yep. done to families mm-hmm. everywhere. Stephen, anything that? Nope. No, that's pretty much on point. Like we had talked about this a long time ago when yep. schools were initially closed and we're like, what on earth are you doing? The science makes no sense. The science makes no sense. Like I was, I was glad. Like I remember my dad talking to one of his classes when they first went on, like when they first came back mm-hmm. to like in person learning, and he he openly said he's just like, okay, you're in grade three. If you look at the science, like I know that some of your parents are afraid of COVID. I know that some of you have been told to be afraid of COVID. If you look at the science, if you look mm-hmm. at the data, there is no reason. For you, for you to, to be, be scared or for your parents to be scared of COVID. The data does not support it. Yeah. And so we're not going to have some panic attack when it comes to COVID in this classroom mm-hmm. because yep. nobody here is highly at risk from it. And not some parents took issue with that. They're like, oh, like you're, <laughs> just, you're making us, our children live and like they, they should be like concerned about this. And he's like, no, they shouldn't. Like only a moron would be concerned for their kid about COVID. And unfortunately there were a lot of morons out there. Yeah. And he's like, well, and nobody's talking about the damages that only like to their education, but they're of course psychological and spiritual health by isolating them from their teachers, their parents, from their peers and yep. from those who could help them in their psychological and social developments. But no, nope, yeah, there it was, was two all things about we safety. Knew. Two things we knew at the beginning, right? And then are still true today. One, kids don't get COVID. Yeah. And if they do, it's not dangerous. Two, they don't pass on COVID. Yeah. In reality, schools are the safest places to be. Mm-hmm. Because not only do the kids not get COVID, they also don't pass it on. If you're a teacher, you don't have to worry about the kids. Because you're going to get COVID from other teachers. Yeah. Not from kids. But nobody knew this, and everyone mm-hmm. acted like this wasn't true. So, uh, the 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 you know yeah. the lie became the the winner and all that. But, okay, yeah. well, let's just keep it going. Right, our historic wrongs and buying electric school buses. Oh, congratulations, <laughs> congratulations! Look, plenty of parents don't even disagree with these policies, but there were no kids in the school buildings and no kids on the buses. 
They sent email after stupid email about how they might let your kids come back to school on such and such date and you'd tell your kids and they'd be excited and then they backed out at the last minute sending you a 7 p.m. email leaving you with no way to plan for the next day over and mm -hmm. over again. And then there's the curriculum. You have parents play Zoom Butler for a year bringing their kids pencils, pens, hula hoops, and blue items that begin with the letter M into the dining room. And then you want to tell them <laughs> that they have no say in curriculum. You can get away with a lot of nonsense when you hold functional school, but when you don't, mm -hmm. people have questions. And look, you're not going to like some of their remedies. You're not going to like some of their questions. Great. Argue against them, but do not mm -hmm. pretend that the anger is fake and didn't come from failures of leadership in school systems. Amen. Then what did we do to get back, kids back in school as parents dragged school leaders kicking and screaming back to classrooms on behalf of their children? Well, where I am, mm -hmm. we let teachers and administrators jump the line to the front of the vaccine line in January of 2020, 2021. Happy to do it. Did they go back to school? They did not. Then on a federal level, we passed just tons, tons of money and aid to get schools open, even though schools were already open safely in Europe and all around this country, um, thereby rewarding the schools that didn't open instead of the schools that did in many cases. Mm -hmm. And the icing on this just terrible cake was that when parents <laughs> had the temerity to get upset about any of this, they were treated like crap. Some of them were taken aback. They had not assumed that the relationship between them and the school boards and the teachers unions was adversarial. This was news to them. But now they know. 2020 and 2021 taught them something new. Uh, I guess it's good someone was taught something. Leaders called them wannabe child sacrificers. They called them racist, privileged, unqualified, anti-science. And that is why a bunch of parents from me to San Fran damn Cisco are upset. We are not all conservative. We are not all liberal. We are not all white or rich or astroturf or whatever it is that you would like to fool yourselves into thinking we are. Mm -hmm. We are people who care about our children and who have no reason to trust the people who closed schools for a year. I birthed three of these children myself and my desire to fight for them is way stronger than my pelvic floor and far stronger than whatever you want to throw at me. And there's a ton of people who feel that way. Hey, mine, girl. And you want to tell me that all I want is my babysitters and my brunch back? First, we'd all be so lucky if public schools in these areas were as reliable as my babysitter and as delightful as my brunches. But if that's the insult, I will own it. <laughs> Hand me my mimosa, bitches, because this ride has just begun. <laughs> Hand me my mimosa. Jeff from damn Cisco. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Oh. I will say one thing. Okay. One thing I have to say, and I, I hope I'm allowed to say this because I'm a single guy. This girl is like smoking hot. Oh yeah, I hate that. Like you know, she's, yeah, she's an absolutely gorgeous, like lady. So I'm like, you know, mm -hmm. for, first of all, good on her. Lucky for lucky, um, lucky for her her, her husband and all that. Mm -hmm. But um, man, like she is—is is she ever like? You know, is she ever right? Like uh, the fact that like 
the yeah, you know, like the whole Zoom Butler. I love the, the way she put that. Ooh. That was perfect. Well, it's, it's, yeah, it was it. super true. Like we know, we yeah. like I never had to do that with Curtis. Thank goodness. Yeah. But my goodness, like if we had to do a form of Zoom Butler, where Stephanie yeah. would be managing Curtis doing Zoom class via kindergarten. Mm-hmm. And trying to manage three other kids at the same time, that would be yeah. hell. Uh, it'd be like horrible. Imagine every parent, you mm-hmm. know, like trying to like navigate that with multiple children. Oh, it's just stupid. And yet, mm-hmm. that's what the school board was demanding. And then, mm-hmm. of course, they're like, "Oh, well, you have a you have a closer eye on what's going on curriculum wise." It's like, hell yeah, I do. Mm-hmm. And we see what you're doing. We see what you've gotten away with for so long. We see what the school boards mm-hmm. have encouraged. And like that is probably the only good thing to have come out of Zoom school was that parents are now realizing what their children are being taught and they're focusing mm-hmm. more and they're attacking these school boards which have been indoctrinating their children into CRT, into mm-hmm. crazy sexual education. And now they're mm-hmm. fighting back through the school boards and through governors and legal yep. <clears throat> and through um politicians like Ron DeSantis. Yeah. Like that's the Remember. only good thing to come out of all of this. And yeah. if this makes stronger parents, then I don't want to I'm not going to say that it was worth it, but I'm very glad that some positive changes come from this. Do you remember like a year ago or like we were talking about how there was that one school that tried to make a contract with their parents? Uh, saying that, oh, you're not allowed to listen in. Yeah, like, you know, like the lessons to the children. Yeah, like you're not allowed to like that. Would, they actually wanted to put that in writing. Yeah, because they were like, oh my gosh, like parents are listening. We're actually being like, like they like, they're know actually, what like, we're paying teaching. Attention. It's like we need to get them to sign a contract so we can still teach our kids in secret and they can't know what we're teaching. Like, yeah. it's like it was like at that point you're just like, what the crap are you trying to hide? Because it was mm-hmm. obvious, like the, the 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 teachers loved that 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 secrecy of being able to do whatever you want in your classroom and never be and never be held accountable like, for it. Yeah, like that girl last week. Remember we or mm-hmm. like last week or last time that we 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 covered that she was like it's like oh parents don't get to tell me what to teach in classrooms and she was like so shocked that they were like they're like that 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 she got backlash for that. Um, but yeah, like that, that's the, that's, that's the thing is like the, um, school boards and the teachers literally feel like they own your children, which is mm-hmm. why they feel like they, like, you know, that they, they, they get away with this stuff. Now, the other thing that I found interesting is that the lady said something really interesting. She said that parents actually went to these school board meetings and they were legitimately shocked that, that they were, they were seen not as parents that, mm-hmm. you know, like. Like administrators, teachers want to work with parents. They were seen as the enemy. They were seen as adversary. Yeah, they're like you're you're the enemy. You're an adversary. You shouldn't. How be dare here. you, you should, tell us? You can't comment on how we teach. It's just like what? Yeah. Well, like yeah. even addressing that video that we were watching last week about that girl who was just like, if you like think that you're my boss because you're a parent <laughs> and I'm the teacher, yeah. then get mm-hmm. bent. It's like no, 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 no. <laughs> if you think mm-hmm. that you have a say over what. You, goes on with my kid and if you think that you can just teach them nonsensical propaganda like gender studies then you have another thing coming because you are not the word of my child i am the parent of my child and if you think you're going to push this nonsensical dogma upon them 
you mm-hmm. have another thing coming and you are due for a massive whooping. Yeah, and this comes from a Marxist uh, you know, worldview. Like all these teachers went to like universities, which all teach Marxism as mm-hmm. a worldview, and Marxism believes that the children are words of the state, not of parents. Parents' responsibility is to help, like, you know, they're basically nothing more than just their their job is to provide them with food and with clothing and and then to drive them to their indoctrination centers. But really they are they're they're the property of the government. But ultimately the problem here is that if you really think about human nature and like the reality of life, parents are the people that care the most for their children. They genuinely care about their well-being, mm-hmm. about their like thriving. A par- a teacher, like this is something I, I struggled, like you know, like I, I realized when and um I I spent a lot of years working in before and after school. And so as a result, I was able to like have a relationship with the kids from kindergarten all the way until grade six. I spent years with these kids and always with the same kids. Mm-hmm. And you know, you get to know them pretty well. A teacher only gets a year with them yeah. if they're lucky. And then they might see them like off and on, but they don't really have any more really close connection with them. You're telling me that a teacher who has one year of like not only like with that kid, but sharing sharing their like connection with like 30 kids, you're telling me that they're gonna have a better connection with each one of those kids that a parent will have with their kid? That's nonsense. So the idea that schools are do uh, are believe that they know what's best for children is because they see children as tools. Yep. They're like, oh, we need to change society. We suck at convincing people how to like think, and yes, so we we're do. gonna we're gonna convince the easiest ones, the most easily manipulated, into our worldview because their parents are too far gone. No, you're just you just suck at just persuading suck. people, and so you, the only thing you can do is recruit people. Yeah. Who are easy to recruit. It's that that's why I always compare like the left to a cult. They have to find the vulnerable and the easy to the easily manipulated. And that's how they work. Steven, don't even do it. Don't even think about it. I'm a strong mind. You can't use your Jedi mind tricks on me. But I want to. <laughs> okay, <cat laughs> <thing>. <laughs> Sometimes I do that at like automatic doors at grocery stores. I'll be like <laughs> people are just like, I'm like but i am wearing a mask <laughs> <laughs> anyways yeah i have no idea how to transition to the next story so we're just gonna jump well um you know like speaking of someone else trying to hide something very true so right. this is from the new york times and there's another source if you can't get behind the paywall the cdc oh. isn't publishing large portions of the covid data that it collects Amen. So for more than a year, the Center for Disease Control and Prevention has collected data on hospitalizations for COVID-19 in the United States. <sighs> it broke it down by age, race, and vaccination status, but it has not made most of the information public. When it published the first significant data on the effectiveness of boosters in adults younger than 65 two weeks ago, it left out the numbers for a huge portion of that population, 18 to 49-year-olds, the group the data showed that was least likely to benefit from extra shots. Because the first two doses already left them well-protected, and they were already well-protected because they're 18 to 49. The agency recently debuted a washboard of wastewater data on its website 
that will be updated daily and might provide early signals of an oncoming surge of COVID cases. Some states and localities have been sharing wastewater information with the agency since the start of the pandemic, but had never before released those findings. Two full years into the pandemic, the agency leading the country's response to the public health emergency has published only a tiny fraction of the data it has collected, several people familiar with the data said. Much of the withheld information could help state and local health officials better target their efforts to bring the virus under control. Detailed, timely data on hospitalizations by age and race would be help health officials identify and help the populations at highest risk. Information on hospitalizations and death by age and vaccinations status would have helped inform whether healthy adults need booster shots, which they don't. And wastewater surveillance across the nation would spot outbreaks and immersion variants early. Yeah, This, of I course, think, is um... all to say that they're all trying to be like, oh, like we need this data because we need to mm -hmm. be able to fight back against COVID. Whereas mm -hmm. we're like, well, we need this data because we want to be able to showcase to people, hey, like what you're being told by the CDC and what these other establishment metal like health organizations is complete and utter bunk. Oh, uh, what I'm saying is that, uh, wait, the CDC is trying to hide something? Da doi! Yeah, <laughs> like, okay. That's pretty much what I'm saying. Like, we've known this for like a year, like, oh, or, yeah. like two years now, that the CDC is literally like, uh, it, it, it's, it's, it's like Justin Trudeau. It can't help but lie. It can't help yeah. but manipulate. It can't help but like totally distort the, the, the situation. We've talked about yeah. how the CDC has totally mess with people about the um uh the pcr test how they've like like changed the rules about who is tested and who isn't based on your vaccination status we've talked about how they've suppressed uh you know all sorts of data that's relevant uh on masking on um the vaccines on all these kind of things like mm -hmm. the cdc is just a joke of an organization so like you know i'm not in any way surprised that they're trying to hide even more data like, I hate to say this to people, but it's it's kind of like trying to convince someone that the mainstream media is absolutely and totally bankrupt, morally bankrupt. They, they don't they don't have ethics in the reporting. And most of these major medical associations, the CDC, the WHO, um, they they basically have a stranglehold on public health. And whenever people say the science, what they mean is the government science. And the government science is fundamentally um, compromised mm -hmm. because these are not people that are caring about your health. They're, these are people that have a very specific outcome that they're trying to manipulate. And so they will, they're intentionally manipulating the, um, all the information in order to keep people under control. So this is just another one of those things you need to add to your resources of how are public health, you know, like um, authorities misleading us? Are misleading us? Yeah, they've been doing this. Like I, I have like an entire like, like dozens upon dozens and dozens and dozens of sources yep. of the CDC and all the garbage that they've been doing over the last two years. Mm -hmm. um, at this point, like, really, you need to stop listening to the CDC. They are not a legitimate, uh, like you know, they're they're not intellectually honest. They're just trying yeah. to fool people with bad signs so yeah yep and yeah that's... we gotta get going steven because you're we gonna do. fall asleep on me boy <laughs> it's, it's almost 9 30 <laughs> almost 9 30 oh let's go let's do this all right so before i fall asleep 
we are going to do the douche of the week. Okay, the douche of the week, as we had mentioned before, was a no-brainer this week. It is Vladimir Putin for invading <laughs> Ukraine. Because Pass me my vodka. That is dick move. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> just, like I'm going to invoke the tea. I'm going to invoke the emergency sack. I'm awesome. It's like, hold my vodka. <laughs> exactly. You could almost do this entire section in a Russian accent. I'll do Good. it. I will read every section in a Russian accent. I will do that for our listeners because they deserve that much. Alright, so we're going to break down what we know about the Russian invasion of Ukraine and then we're going to talk about where this could lead and what significance it has and why should you care about what Russia is doing to Ukraine. So we're going to talk about all that. Because it matters. So this is from the BBC. Ukraine conflict. Fighting rages near Kiev after Russian invasion. Ukraine army is trying to repel a full-scale Russian invasion with fierce battles taking place close to the capital of Kiev. Fighting is raging at an airfield near the outskirts of the city, and it could become a springboard for the Russian army into Kiev if its troops seize it. The Russian assault is being fought on several fronts after it attacked from the east, north, and south on Thursday. Ukraine say that dozens of people have been killed while thousands have fled. Moscow launched the offensive in the early hours of the morning, shortly after President Vladimir Putin declared war in a dramatic televised address. He threatened any country attempting to interfere with consequences you have never seen, which we are going to address later. Ooh, very dangerous. Air and missile strikes rained down on cities and military bases before tanks rolled in across three sides of Ukraine's vast border. It followed weeks of escalating tensions as Russia massed troops around the country. Ukraine's mm. President Volodymyr Zelensky, meanwhile, vowed to continue fighting. He said a new Iron Curtain was falling into place and it is his job was to make sure his country remained on the western side. Good for you, Mr. Zelensky. <sighs> True Ukrainian. Yeah, and now from CBC. Hmm. And I'm I'm done. I'm I I, sh <laughs> I shudder the fact that I have to I know. Like, do that we have to use CBC. I'm like, yeah. Mm -hmm. So yeah, the discredited news source. I'm not gonna continue talking to Russian accent. It's tough, eh? It's it tough slows me like down that. so much. It does because you have to like change the way you pronounce everything. Yeah. Uh, so, but I will say this: you did well. That was that was actually you. really. Really convincing, actually. Yeah, I do. Um, you know, my, my, well, I've been to Ukraine, look, so I know how to do a Slavic accent. Yeah, yeah. Like the the way I look at it is like the this is kind of like the what happened in Ukraine is very similar to what happened in Mega Mind. Mm -hmm. You know, everyone's just like you know like watching you know, you know him him going back and forth with Mega Man. And it's like yeah. he did it. He he did it. He killed it. He killed it. Did it? He actually killed what? your weakness like, everyone... is copper. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Basically, that's that's kind of like how this feels. Yeah. Because for weeks we've been we've been talking how the America was like, oh, like the, the the attack is imminent. It's imminent. Even like the president of Ukraine, 
yeah. was saying that uh, he's like, "Oh, stop saying that! Stop yeah, it's talking just about Russia. It's, it's just like it's you just want Russia, to generate headlines. Uh, it's just like, yeah." And like I'm sure we thought that too. And they're like, "He's not going to invade." Like, yeah, yeah. He's going to take these two. Well, it's, we thought it was going to be basically the same thing that happened to the Crimea. He's just like he's going to annex that territory. There's going to be mild sanctions, and then they're going to go back yeah, to normal. Yeah. And then there's going to yeah. be like, "Oh, Ukrainians, Ukrainians hate Russians," and "Oh, Russians hate Ukrainians." But no, he actually is invading. Yeah, we go. And it seems like Putin and Russia want to claim Ukraine as a part of Russia, or at least take over Ukraine and, and say this is, and pu- make it a puppet state of the government. And I'm like, those would be bad things. Yep. Like I, the, the results of this, the, of this conflict could be devastating for mm-hmm. Europe and especially Eastern Europe. And yeah. like the Ukrainian pre- president is trying to fight back, but let's be honest, they're severely outgunned. They have they're ordered a, like, you know, yeah, go they're, ahead. They're basically like Poland, like Poland in World in War II. Poland yeah. had no chance. They had no chance against the German army. They were and like the Soviets. Out, out yeah. No, no, no. But like, you know, but like particularly in like the 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 the, the invasion that Germany did. I remember studying that. And I'm like, yeah, the Poles, they put up a good fight, but they ultimately were never going to uh, be able to hold back the German juggernaut. The well, Germany they, at that the point. The Poles got is, screwed uh, from both it. angles in World War II. They, they really just did. got they, they screwed. Yeah. They did. But, but when you really think about it, that also is, is very relevant because, like, not only Poland was invaded because of the the policy of appeasement from yep. the Western powers. Mm-hmm. Because they kept saying, like, oh, Germany, oh, I'm sure he's fine. Ah, you know, he, he won't he do it. Peace. He won't do it. But then when he did, now now the, the only difference, I think, is that back then they invaded Poland and the West declared war. Yeah. And they actually went to war. Here, nobody's going to declare war. I would be even more shocked if yeah. any Western country actually went that far mm-hmm. and actually called Putin on his bluff. Well, well and I think, the, yeah, like because it is a bluff. And, like, yeah, we're going to mention it a little bit later about how he's threatening and Biden is just like, yeah, I don't know if he's actually threatening nuclear war. And it's like, well, is that because you're senile or because you're like seriously suggesting that yeah, oh, he, the didn't, he didn't mean that. He didn't mean that. Yeah, yeah. It's like that's actually one of the biggest scary port- parts of all of this is that mm-hmm. like if we did not have nuclear weapons and Russia invaded Ukraine, it'd be like, mm-hmm. OK, let's do what we did in the Korean War, and let's send in a peacekeeping force and let's protect the Ukrainians from the Russians. Uh-huh. And it would be like a unified NATO force to defend the Ukrainians from the invading Russians. But because of the nuclear option, Russia can simply say, well, if NATO does that, then we're going to launch a few nukes. And the warhead capacity. And the damage that those weapons, like even one of those things, could wipe out several cities. Mm-hmm. Quite easily. And so it's like, okay, yeah, well, mean, do we send, do we try and defend Ukraine from yeah. another country attacking them for illegitimate reasons and potentially like put our soldiers at risk and put our civilians at risk because Russia could yeah. just nuke us? Mm-hmm. Or do we say, well, we're going to try economic sanctions 
and we're going to try and say, mm, this is the best we can do, and maybe take them out of, like, the stride payment system or whatever that is. I didn't research yeah. that fully. But yeah. Ru- that's not going to affect Russia. Russia does not care about that. That's why no, they're doing Russia it. Russia chose it's this because... very strategically. Oh, they did. Yeah. So they, they uh, the reason, like, I remember, like, uh, the reason why they didn't invade, invade until now is because, like, they were waiting for uh, the proper time for the oil prices to be at a good place. Mm-hmm. They also spent the last, like, 10 or dozen years really, like, shoring up their financial mm-hmm. resources so that they could, like, withstand any kind of, like, you know, uh, potential uh, short-term you know, sanctions. economic attack. Yes, short-term economic attacks and all that. Um, they also have a lot of leverage over a lot of like Western countries, like particularly like, you know, Germany, a lot of the countries in, in, um, area that they can basically like threaten to cut off their energy resources. Um, the Biden regime, like the Biden, like, like, um, administration, they, not only did they cancel, um, the, the pipelines, uh, the, what was it called? Um, Keystone pipeline. Mm-hmm. They also approved Nordstrom. Yeah. Which is in the other words, they pipeline. actually like. Yeah, and that was a double whammy because not only because right now one of the problems is that if they if they really target and sanction uh, uh, Russian energy, that is going to hurt them because now their oil prices are going to like skyrocket, and America doesn't want that. But if they were energy independent, that wouldn't be a consideration. Mm-hmm. So like people say like you know oh what would what would have happened if 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 Trump was uh, president? Well like well. When Trump was president, America was energy independent. Mm-hmm. Hence, they had another weapon in their arsenal that they could against the Russians that wouldn't affect them um, as much as it's affecting the mm-hmm. uh, the Biden administration. I mean, all of this stuff was basically um, all in the making. And the, and the, the particular big part is that um, Russia has a totally different mindset and, yeah. and goals than the West. The West thinks like prosperity is like the ultimate goal of Russians. It's like, uh, you know, Vladimir yeah. Putin is like, no, I don't care about that. I care about like rebuilding the uh, the, the old the CCP, Union, reclaiming our yeah, reclaiming our glory days. And people are willing to fight for that. They're willing to sacrifice for that. You know, so it's it's the West is basically and incredibly vulnerable right now. Putin yeah. is taking advantage of it. Mm-hmm. And I mean, he is a, he is a, like, let's face it. He's like an old, he's an old school dictator. Yeah. But like, he's not, he's no fool. He's a, no. he's a smart guy. He's, they strategize this for like the longest time. For a very long but, time. Yeah. And they're, they're playing it. But Ukraine right. is trying to hold their own a little bit. It's not going to work, but so Volodymyr Zelensky said that Russia is targeting civilian sites as well as military installations. Uh, he vows to stay in Kiev even as he says Russia is targeting him and his family. Yeah, I can see him being offed within a week. Easy. Uh, he's ordered a full military mobilization to counterattack. Uh, UN Refugee Agency estimates 100,000 people have fled homes in Ukraine. Uh, NATO will meet on Friday, which is, of course, tomorrow, to map out next mm-hmm. steps on Russia as Prime Minister Justin Trudeau's candidate will impose stricter sanctions prior to immigration applications for Ukrainians who want to come to Canada. <laughs> and furthermore, the Ukraine, Ukraine to give weapons to anyone who wants to defend country. Let's, let's arm the grandmas, yeah. the grannies. Well, this is literally just like, let's give this woman <laughs> an AK. Yeah, that's Amen. just great. Amen. Mm-hmm. 
So he announced on Thursday morning that he would give weapons to anyone who wanted to defend the country from the full-scale Russian invasion that was launched during the early morning hours, which came at approximately the same time that Russian President Putin announced a special military operation was underway. Putin told Ukrainian soldiers to give up and go home while threatening the U.S. and NATO that if they intervene, Russia will respond immediately and you will have consequences that you have never had before in your history. We will give any... So this is the account. We will give weapons to anyone who wants to defend the country. Be ready to support Ukraine in the squares of our cities. We will lift sanctions on all citizens of Ukraine who are ready to defend our country as part of a territorial defense with weapons in hands. Yeah. What what their what their their strategy in that is urban warfare. Yeah, guerrilla tactics. That's the strategy. Guerrilla tactics. Well, it's, it like forces the Russian military to not just target military installations, but it forces yeah. them to. They can't just march freely in the streets. If you think that somebody's just going to be targeting you from their window with an AK. Yep. yep. It tur- it will it turns this this invasion into the Afghanistan war. It makes yeah. every single civilian a target and mm-hmm. everybody into a potential threat. And while yeah. I really, really hate the notion of turning civilians into military targets, mm-hmm. it does make the Russians think twice, thrice, and even maybe five times about mm-hmm. every action they perform. They can't just willingly walk into a military installation. They can't simply do some declaration or some... Mm-hmm like marching routines in town squares because somebody could just gun them down. Yeah. And, and urban warfare is one of the most difficult things for oh, any army. It's exceptionally hard to fight. And it also, it also removes, uh, because like, okay, so Russia has, um, sophistication. We like they, they outclass the Ukrainians, of course, because yeah. they have military jets, they have missiles, they have, um, obviously tanks and like, you know, armored vehicles, but what they don't have, uh, is basically like, you know, like they can't, the, that those advantages come far less effective in urban warfare because yeah. they can't use missiles and heavy, heavy, like machine guns in close quarters yeah. and people can hide inside buildings. This is the problem. Same thing, same thing that happened to the German army when they invaded, uh, what uh, was it? Moscow. Or Stalingrad um, during World yeah. War II, mm-hmm. they basically got into the actual cities, and suddenly urban warfare became a huge problem with yeah. the populace mm-hmm. being armed. Um, now, I'm not saying that this is going to work in the long run. It is going to slow down the Russian yeah. takeover Military because they have machine. to hold these places. Yeah, but yeah. it it there's it's effective, which is why I think that they're going that way. There's a lot of people who don't want to leave, and you know what? I, I will say this: if you have a population of your citizens that don't want to leave. Yeah. Honestly, arming, arming, arming them, them is, is mm-hmm. actually a moral thing because otherwise they're, they're going to be easy targets mm-hmm. for Russian. Well, yeah. If Russia, people. like if Russian troops just decide that, Hey, well, we're going to target civilians this time. We're yeah. going to make sure the Ukrainian people fear us. If you have an unarmed yeah. populace, then yeah. they are going to fear you. And there is nothing they can do or say to stop you. Yeah. So as much as I don't like the idea of open conflict in the streets, as much as I hate the idea of putting civilians in danger, this is the best option they have Uh because they're so hopelessly outgunned and there is very little, if anything, that the U.S., the Kenda, and NATO can do without risking full-scale nuclear war. 
because that's yeah, the kind of dick that Putin is. And, and see, people always like decried America for like the long time. They they said like you know, oh, America's a military like industrial complex and all that. I'm like, well, you have to remember the reason that we had essentially 30 years of full on peace was because of what America did. Mm-hmm. Because the America held back the Soviet Union from expanding all over the world mm-hmm. during the Cold War. They basically were the deterrent. NATO was the deterrent that kept the Soviet Union from basically yeah. taking over, like, you know, like and the North biggest contributors to NATO was the United States by far. And and the United States was the deterrent that kept any country from doing anything stupid in the Pacific. Yeah. Because they had the military capability to hold back any other nation that might threaten to do something big. However, things are changing. Yeah. And uh, everything everything is now in, in flux. And so the things that used to be a deterrent that made anyone think twice about even trying something is no longer in play. Yeah. And sadly, states like Afghanistan, states like Ukraine put their trust in, in a country strength. that is basically and, no, not like, just in the strength, but that, well, that and the, like assurances the, the, the assurances and the moral fortitude of these of the United States, and they've all just been completely betrayed and completely let yeah. down, and it's costing them. Well, in, in Afghanistan, it costs thousands of lives, and yeah. it's yet to be seen how many will be cost, how many, how much will the cost be in Ukraine. So, like, yeah, we have some footage. Like, thankfully, none of it is, like, really scary, like, really graphic. So we don't have to hide it from anybody. But it does show you, like, this is what the people of Ukraine are facing on the ground right now. You should probably full screen that just to show you the whole thing. But, yes, crazy. So these are, like, the uh, military, like, vehicles, like, rocket rocket launchers, like, Full mil- and and they came from every direction. Yeah, Belarus. There's another video which is like shows a right here. This is a rocket near Poland. Yeah. yeah. Like think of how terrifying that would be. Just to be like, oh, what's that in the sky? Oh my gosh, what the heck just happened? There was a video of a woman coming from her house, and a warplane dropped a missile like not close enough from her house. Yeah. Like Russian putting armored tanks vehicles, at Chernobyl. Chernobyl power plant. Yep. Which makes sense because they need to, they need to take over the the energy mm-hmm. uh, hotspots in like Ukraine in order to hold it. Yeah. Yeah. Bombed out apartments. Helicopters attacking. And here's, this is crazy. Just dropping like bombs, like yeah. Jeez, hold on. There you go. Helicopters flying over people's homes. I just feel like, you know, being here in Alberta, I'm bringing, like, all couple of fly overhead. Well, like, this would be the equivalent of Canada being invaded by the States. Like, yeah. all we would be able to do would be to sit and watch. Yep. 
video of a downed uh, Russian helicopter. Yeah, and they likely shut down. Yeah. Crazy now, the helicopters and that's just the start. Yeah, so like people like that know, like helicopters are basically like you know aerial tanks, uh, but they're also very easy to shoot down. Yes. Um, because they fly so low, so uh, slowly, and because they don't have much recourse when somebody shoots at them. Um, mm-hmm. This is why, like I was telling Henry, like if, if imagine if the rush, the Ukrainian army or Ukrainian government managed to give a whole bunch of civilians a whole bunch of RPGs. RPGs. <laughs> Yeah, my goodness. Civilians could shoot down like mm-hmm. helicopters because if anybody has seen the movie uh, Black Hawk Down, mm-hmm. this is like an urban population, and they managed to shoot down not one but two, like you know, like like helicopters. Well, yeah, why? Like, because and that's really like, that's, that's one much. option. Like mm-hmm. as much as it's kind of crazy to believe, but that is one option that NATO and the United States have. It's like, well, we clearly don't want to risk nuclear war by sending in troops. But mm-hmm. if we can use like back channels to smuggle mm-hmm. in these weapons, they can take out the Russian like vehicles. Okay, then yeah. it could shape it. Well, it could make a significant difference, and it could make the the consequences for staying in Ukraine more mm-hmm. significant than what they hope to get out of it. Yeah, which is like, and I mean that's probably the best option that they have is make sure that there's an armed populace. And make sure that the weapons that they have are pretty dang good. Yeah. And um, unlike, you know, in like, okay, so anytime before the Industrial Revolution, um, the chances of a populace holding back an invading army were virtually none. Because you need to be very skilled in order to, to operate a bow and arrow. You can't, not, you can't just pick it up and just start using it. You have to have some skill. Secondly, you also have to be skilled in order to, to use a sword. Yeah. Whereas nowadays... You can give a gun to a regular person as long as you like, as long as they know the basics of how to use it. You can give a gun to any regular Mm -hmm. person and they can be fun and effective. So, this is why child soldiers became a very common thing in in, In Africa Africa. because they knew that, like, you give a child, like, you know, he's like a 12, 13 year old kid, you give him a machine gun, he's going to be effective. Yeah. Because guns are the great great equalizer. And a lot of the weapons, like RPGs, they're not actually that difficult to operate. Like you, you go through a bit of a, maybe you have to be taught a little bit about how to use it effectively mm-hmm. and maybe safely. But if you get a decent shot, you can take out a helicopter. You could even possibly take out a tank. Yeah. If you had several RPGs, you could take out a tank. Yeah. You shoot in the right strategic areas from, from a window or from like an open kind of place. Like, you know, you can fairly effective. Mm-hmm. This is what happened in, uh, in Iraq. Yeah. When the soldiers were there, they they were constantly dealing with like urban warfare attacks, like the movie uh, what's it called the 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 herd locker. Yeah, kind of talks about like some of the problems with you know being in urban urban territory. Mm-hmm. So I don't think it was going to be a super easy takeover, but you know, but they are definitely outmatched. Yep, they're definitely oh yeah, the Ukrainians are outmatched, and any advantage that the West and NATO can give them, the Ukrainian government can give them. So that yeah. they can try and like keep back the Russians, while to kind of make it so that the economic sanctions can actually have a more significant impact. Because right now the economic sanctions 
are not going to last long enough to have a significant impact on Russia. And then by the time yeah. the economic sanctions are like come more to fruition, then it's Russia's like, well, you can't hold on to your economic sanctions because you need a royal. Too bad. Mm -hmm. But not to mention that Russia, like, you know, it's like it, it, they, they assume that Russia, it, it, their prosperity is like, you know, is one their of the, number one, one thing. thing. It's just like, no, and people in they Russia care more like, about the, Russian, yeah. well, Russian nationalism. They care yeah. more about the ideals of the state of Russia than they do about GDP. Yeah. Both Chinese and, well, and like, the you'll find that a, Well, you'll find that under, about a lot of people. Like, mm -hmm. I, like, you and I are probably very similar in this. I care more that I'm an impactful figure in my, in my kids' lives and that they're raised properly and that they mm -hmm. learn what is important then, oh, we have, like, the nicest house and the nicest car and all these things. I'm like, I care far more that they have a proper upbringing, what values they have, than how how many square fit my house is. Yeah, and that's generally not the case for most of the West right now. Mm -hmm. And in the East, like, you know, the Russian people and the Chinese people and the Iranian people, they're far more willing to live with far less, including to make some serious sacrifices in like what they eat or yeah. or like you know the, the kind of like situation that they have to live with that people like that are, are are far more willing to do that whereas here in the west people can't fathom the idea of having to live with less yeah or having to uh to you know make, to, to, to tighten their belt and make, to make sacrifices sacrifice. yeah yeah so but mm -hmm. now we're going to talk briefly about uh biden yeah the uh, and uh, yep so, President Joe Biden cannot say Thursday if Russian President Vladimir Putin was threatening a nuclear strike when he warned Western nations not to retaliate militarily for his invasion of Ukraine. So, that's not much. Yeah. No one should have any doubts that a directed attack on our country will lead to destruction and horrible consequences for any potential aggressor. Speaking in televised remarks immediately preceding the invasion. I have no idea what he's threatening, Biden responded. <laughs> I know what he has done. Earlier, Biden announced he would deploy a second group of U.S. troops to Germany on top of the troops that U.S. dispatched to NATO's eastern flank earlier in the week. The president said that he would also take part in the NATO summit with 30 other leaders on Friday to discuss defense strategies should Putin to decide to invade Poland or other NATO allies, which mm -hmm. I really doubt that Russia will do. Because Poland, yeah. I believe, is actually a member of NATO. So that yeah. would be well, different than invading Ukraine. Like, yeah, the cat, the cat, Ukraine yeah, like was trying, yeah, like, yeah. Ukraine wanted to, like, petition to join NATO, but then Russia was like, well, mm, we're going to invade you if you do that. And then Ukraine's like, well, okay, we won't. And then it's like, yeah, we'll invade you anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Ukraine. So, but of course, yeah, a lot be, of these nations. Be the child that, like, two parents are, like, fighting over in a custody yeah. battle. Mm -hmm. It's like, so you're the, mine. Like, no, you're mine. Yeah, the U.S. and other members of the G7 announced a host of sanctions Thursday, including placing a full freeze on Russia's second largest bank, blocking half of, Russia, half of Russia's technology imports. Biden claimed that the economic action will cause enough domestic pain to force Putin to withdraw from Ukraine. Really? No, no, Joe no, Biden no. on Russian sanctions. No one expected the sanctions to prevent anything from happening. 
Let me play a video. No one expected the sanctions to prevent anything from happening. And then... <laughs> like I said, to prevent. Yeah. And then reporters are like, well, if <laughs> sanctions cannot stop President Putin, what penalty can? He's like, I didn't say that. Oh, just play the video because they, they, they say all this. cannot stop President Putin, what penalty can? I didn't say sanctions couldn't stop him. You've been talking about the <laughs> sanctions for several weeks now. Yes, but the threat of the sanctions and imposing the sanctions and seeing the effect of the sanctions are two different things. They're two different things. And we're now going to, he's going to begin to see the effect of the sanction. The threat of the sanctions means nothing. But if the threat mm -hmm. of the sanctions means nothing, then what will the actual sanctions do? Well, we have yet to see that. It's like, no. <laughs> You're an idiot. Yeah, Jen, Jen Psaki also did like say some stupid things to basically saying that like, like well, the people might might second guess and like, well, what could have been done? But uh, our, our, our strategy clearly worked. Our I'm strategy like, clearly oh, yeah, works. Yeah. Yes. It totally works. Russia's if you in Ukraine. Like, Russian invasion, a yeah, working totally strategy. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. Mm -hmm. This is yeah. this is the problem. Is you have mm -hmm. um, you have an incredibly weak president, a weak leader, uh, yep. and unfortunately, that leads to what we're seeing right now. Well, yeah, ever like several weeks ago. So, like, this is an article from January twenty second. Joe Biden's incompetence put on full display. A situation in Ukraine quickly devolves. Ever since Biden mm -hmm. practically invited Russia to give Ukraine the tip of the incursion. He's been avoiding questions like the plague. We can see why. Over the weekend, it seemed like all hell's to break loose as the situation with Russia and Ukraine quickly broke down, leaving many people to wonder if Biden is up to the task. He is not. Like, we yeah, saw that with Afghanistan. Then. We're seeing it now as he's like, well, we're just going to impose sanctions. And, like, there's some talk about, like, oh, we're going to send troops in. It's like Biden does not have the guts to do that, no. to, like, try and say, oh, like, we're going to, like, we're going to call his bluff. It's like, well, let's let's be frank. You would need balls the size of mountains to call that bluff. Mm -hmm. this and it's is like, it's pro like, like the... it probably is a bluff because, of course, if you launch nuclear strikes, then all you're doing is getting mad, which, of course, is the acronym, like we mentioned before, actually an acronym for Mutually Assured Destruction. Yeah. That's what nuclear war brings. It's yeah. not a good outcome for anybody because everyone will blow to kingdom come. Yeah. And this is a good example like you know like if you actually like look at the situation it's very similar to the uh, the Cuban missile crisis that mm -hmm. happened yeah. in the 1960s. Back then the, the the Soviet Union truly believed and you know like I I think they, they had like Barely, it was a gamble, but that definitely yep. seemed like a gamble they could win. Basically, they gambled and said, "Like we don't think that John F. Kennedy has the balls going to kill our bluff." Do what needs to be done. Yeah, they, they basically said, "Like we're going to like you know load up Cuba with nuclear weapons," and you know they basically were banking on the Americans basically being weak. Just let them do it. Yep, let them do it. You know because like what are the implications? This is like too big of a thing. Now, to his credit, John F. Kennedy did a fantastic job. And he was he managed. Obviously, it was a very tense situation, but he managed to basically put up a strong front. And as a result, I mean, obviously, people say like we can close like darn close the nuclear war. Yes, we did, but the alternative would have been worse because at that point, Russia would have been emboldened 
to do even more aggressive moves because they would have felt like, oh, the Americans are weak, so we can do more things. So they would have taken on more aggressive actions. They would have gone into more countries. They they would have had the, the Americans basically back, like, you know, backing down. But as a result of that strength, not only did they pull their weapons out of Cuba, but they didn't take any more actions. Uh, you know, like all of that, that really marked the end of the Soviet efforts to basically take over, like, you know, the world um, by force. They kind of played it a lot safer after that. And that, that really marked a huge turning point in Soviet aggressionism over, or, all, all over. However, here we have the same situation. Not, not exactly the same, but fairly, fairly similar. You have a basically, a, you know, like a, a foreign dictator basically saying, like, I'm taking over. And, and basically saying, like, you know, like, here's, uh, here, I'm all in. And trying to see if they're going to call him on it. And I think the problem is that I don't think the, the West has the balls to do it. And you may think that, like, well, appeasement is just, like, small thing with Ukraine. It's like, yeah, it's just Ukraine. We don't realize that the, the long-term implications of this are going to be fairly big. And there are going to be some very serious, um, you know, concerns for this that I don't think we, we fully understand how, how serious this is going to be. And one of the one of the consequences is the fact that this is going to embolden China as well. Uh, your microphone isn't working. Or maybe it is, and I just can't hear. No, no, I think you might be fine. Maybe. Anyways. Oh, wait, now I need to full screen you. My bad. My bad. Anyways, yeah, my, I accidentally hit my power source on my microphone, which killed that, so I apologize. So, Taiwan <laughs> scrambles Air Force after Chinese aircraft spotted nearby. The reported move by China comes as Russia launched a full-scale invasion by blah, blah, blah. We just read about that. The reported move by China is not unusual. China has done this in the past couple of months uh, and has had similar types of events regularly. Mm -hmm. The last excursion into Taiwanese airspace happened on January 23rd when 39 Chinese aircraft flew through Taiwanese airspace. On Thursday, they reported that nine Chinese aircraft flew onto the into the island nation's airspace. They remain concerned by provocative military action near Taiwan, and the U.S. will continue to support a peaceful resolution of cross-strait issues consistent with the wishes and best interests of the people of Taiwan. So on Tuesday, a Chinese media figure wrote a blog advising Chinese journalists on how to cover the Russia-Ukraine conflict, noting a deference to Russia and hinting at China following Russia's advance in Ukraine with its own push toward Taiwan. Mm-hmm. And we, we, we knew this was coming. We knew yeah. that they would try and pull this stuff. We knew that China would be watching because China is showing support towards Russia and its advances on Ukraine because they need yeah. Russia's support when they advance and eventually invade taiwan like this Mm -hmm. what the international community is doing is is only encouraging this and like you can't you can't like that's one thing is like yes you can arm the populace of ukraine Mm -hmm. it's very difficult to do that with taiwan well like we said before one of the things with taiwan is that taiwan's going to be a different war yes if uh, any invasion happens because you can't just bomb the crap out of taiwan no 
because you can't risk the the basically the gold the, the gold uh you know like the resources that you're looking for which is basically the factories and the mm-hmm. ability the to ability produce to produce super chips super superconductor superconductors like, you know, that go into stuff. chips yep yes and so the pro- and also the problem is that Taiwan is an island nation mm-hmm. anytime you have to do a military uh a military action that takes over an island nation you have some serious like logistical issues yeah that become very difficult to actually enact and to do uh effectively i remember listening to a military um uh, like a, a, uh, he used to be like in the military, in the American military. He talked about the potential uh, invasion of China over Taiwan, and he said that it, it is a bit of a logistical nightmare because yeah. it's, it's it has to be a naval and um, a naval invasion. It also has to you, you also have to be very careful not to absolutely annihilate the um, thing, and it's also urban warfare mm-hmm. because Taiwan is primarily an a, urban center, you know, like. In urban centers, like yeah. they don't have like the the vast amounts of fields I think they have in Ukraine, mm-hmm. and so it it's a little more delicate. Now, yeah. here's a question I have for you, Stephen. Yep, and I want to hear what you what you uh, think about this. Um, what do you think the chances are that Taiwan, uh, that the, the sorry that China invades at the the same time that Russia's invading Ukraine? And the reason I ask that is because, like, obviously, if if Russia's in the midst of a battle with Ukraine and China, like is China likely to invade at the same time, taking advantage of the fact that, you know, like that, that the world is unlikely to take on two wars at the exact same time. Do you think there's a chance of that? Or do you think it's unlikely? I I think it's unlikely right now because of these nations desire to use each other for support. Okay. Like if these nations weren't supporting each other, I think as soon as like as soon as they rolled tanks across the border, China would have invaded Taiwan. But because mm, these nations yeah. are depending on each other for support, and because they're using each other as economic backing, or at least Russia is using China as an economic backing, and then Ru- China is using Russia because Russia has the threat of nuclear attack, then it's basically going to be like as soon as whatever is going to happen in Ukraine, like. A month after it's over, or a month after like the main conquest is over, yeah. Once the dust is settled, once the world has stopped, like, oh my gosh, this is the biggest, most pressing thing in the world. That's when they're going to strike. Yeah. So they're they're. Do you think that they're they're watching waiting? and waiting and weighing their options? And right now, as far as they can tell, there is no downfall, or like there is no downside to invading Taiwan, and they're just waiting mm-hmm. for the proper time to do it. Yeah, and like we said, like you know, the, the that because the the United States has a bit of a stranglehold, like you know, Russia is. I mean, of all the things that they could like, you know, threaten Russia with. Yeah. I mean, economic sanctions. Russia's mm-hmm. like, meh, whatever. Uh, you could possibly like you know threaten like uh, oil reserves or like you know oil sanctions, which will hurt both Russia and the United States. Um, and I mean, but I mean, the Americans could do it. But really, the uh, the technology sanctions could be the most damaging because they need those for a lot of their jets a lot of their like you know high high end like technology uh that they need for military use and so those could be the most like important sanctions that they that america could use on um on russia but not only that but they could also like sanction countries that could could kind of be alternative uh supporters of that the only country 
that basically could like, you know, make that go away is China, which is why I think Russia and China are in this kind of like, they're exactly the same position. I think that the, the Germany and the Soviet Union were uh, before the Second World War. They basically like, well, we have, it's, it's mutually beneficial for both of us to sign a non-aggression pact. Germany knew that they couldn't fight, they could really do well in the two, um, a two-front war. Mm-hmm. And so if Russia, you know, signed that, that they were like, that would actually work for them. Mm-hmm. I think for Russia and China, like the fact that they both need the same things and they both help each other yeah. to achieve these things, I think that that's why they're backing each other so strongly. Mm-hmm. So it's like a, it's like the new axis, essentially. Yeah. Axis yeah. of evil. The axis of evil. Meanwhile, mm-hmm. the, the, what's it called? The, You're gonna make the me layer do of evil or something? Meanwhile, yeah. at the Legion of Doom. <laughs> yeah, there you go. It's like, not now! It's like, okay. It's actually probably a decent name for this episode. Meanwhile, yeah. at the Legion of Doom. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I like All right. It. So... Yeah, that's going to be the end of today's episode. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. If you're following us on any of our video platforms, please do not forget to like, share, comment, and subscribe. We love the attention. No, we're not narcissists. It's just because we want you to know the truth. Yeah. And if you're following us... It also helps the algorithms. It does help the algorithms. We're going to get more shares, more views, and all that kind of Mm -hmm. stuff, uh, depending on the comments and the amount of... um, uh, subscriptions and the amount of like likes that we get and all that. Um, really, it's not like you know, like you know, like whether or not people like our content or not. It's I, I hope that they like it. Mm-hmm. But um, but yeah, like if you think that the, that we could do good work and if you think we provide a valuable like you know commentary on like, let us you know, know. current issues, like you know, let us know and also share this content because you know the more people see it, the more people, people will enjoy the, it as uh, well. <laughs> <exactly>. <laughs> And uh, if you do it too much, then Steven's going like, to uh, turn to the dark side. Clearly, <laughs> he choked a little bit on the dark side. Choking <laughs> on my own ambitions. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, be care- careful, like, you know, Fennec, not to choke on your ambitions. Like, did you just make a dad joke? Yes. <laughs> Wouldn't that be so great if I was a dad? It's like, oh, <laughs> crap. It's like, you don't know what you just did. <laughs> if you don't understand, that's a that's a how it should have ended reference to Star Wars. Yeah, it's so good. But so we good. cannot talk about that now because we're ending the show. That's over. Yeah, and then of course, if you're following us on any of our non-video platforms, like Facebook, Twitter, Gitter, whatever, Parler, then also let us know. Give us a share, give us a like, and give us a comment, and yeah. follow us up. And hit us up if you have any questions or commentary. And send us an email, or you can find out everything about us at theshrewdudes.com, which is, of course, our website, and Danny updates it all the time. So, Danny, what are we all about? We're all about ladies. Oh, wait. uh, We're giving our cat's phrase. Um, What we like to say to true dudes is, well, I'm about the ladies. He's not, because he's married, too. He's he's only got one. He's all about one lady. Um... We're the shrewd dudes, and we always like to remind you, why be rude when you can be shrewd? Exactly. All right. Mm -hmm. Have a great weekend, everybody. We will see you on Tuesday for yet another Tuesday News Day. And as always, God bless. Good night, everybody.